And we are going to read John chapter 8. Something of what we just mentioned uh, is, uh, is referred to in this chapter. And maybe I should not read all the verses that I intended to read. But if you can turn with me to verse 42 of John chapter 8. Verse 42 of John chapter 8. What happened here is in John chapter 6, what, uh, Jesus performed that miracle of, of um, feeding the people with the bread. And then the people remained there. And then there were others who came, the Jewish people, and uh, they argued with Jesus. And this is more or less the end then of that, of that discussion that Jesus had with them when he said he is the bread of life and the word of life. Verse 42 of John chapter 8. Uh, you could go home, and, and especially the children then, to read uh, uh, John chapter 6 to 8 and, and get this whole um, uh, framework of the, of the discussion here. Verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would, lo- you would love me, for I came from God and, know, and now I am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are, not, you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading. I read this purely because I want also the children to understand that although these people heard what is right, they still did not believe in Jesus. They knew the right things. And they chose the wrong things. Now let's turn to the Old Testament to read in Jeremiah. Selected verses from chapter 42 to chapter 44. Jeremiah chapter 42. We're going to read verses 1 to 6 first. And if I can give you some background here. It, these chapters were written or it reflects the time immediately after God's people were taken into captivity into Babylon. And the Babylonian king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, then appointed someone to take care of the affairs in, in Israel. The people did not like this person, or at least not all of them, And they went and they assassinated him. And the people who actually discovered this assassination 
found themselves in a situation where they thought that maybe Nebuchadnezzar will now come down on them uh, for not uh, being obedient to him and they decided they'll now flee to Egypt. Uh, that is more or less the, the background of what happened there. Now we are in chapter 42, verse 1. Then all the army officers, including Johanan, the son of Korea, and Yezaniah, son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest, approached Jeremiah, the prophet, and said to him, Please hear our petition and pray to the Lord your God for this entire remnant. For as you now see, though we are well, once many, now only a few are left. Pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do. I've heard you, replied Jeremiah the prophet. I will certainly pray to the Lord your God as you have requested. I will tell you everything the Lord says and will keep nothing back from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord be true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with everything the Lord your God sends you to tell us. Whether it's favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it will go well with us for we will obey the Lord our God. So then we uh, skip a few verses to read from chapter 43, verses 1 to 7. When Jeremiah finished telling the people all the words of the, uh, the Lord their God, everything the Lord had sent them to tell them, Azariah the son of Hoshiah and Johanan the son of Korea. And all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, You are lying. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, You must not go to Egypt to settle there. But Barak, the son of Neriah, is inciting you against us to hand us over to the Babylonians so that they may kill us or carry us into exile in Babylon. So Johanan and the son of Korea and all the army officers and all the people disobeyed the Lord's command to stay in the land of Judah. Instead, Johanan, son of Korea, and all the army officers led away all the remnant of Judah who had come back to live in the land of Judah from all the nations where they had been scattered. They also led away all the men, women, and children, and the king's daughters whom Nebuzaradan commander of the imperial guard had left with Gedaliah son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah the prophet, and Barak the son of Neriah. So they entered Egypt in disobedience to the Lord and went as far as Tethanes. I'm reading chapter 44. Chapter 44. We're going to read verse 15 to 19 first. Then all the men who knew that their wives were burning incense to other gods, along with all the women who were present, a large assembly, and all the people living in the lower and upper Egypt said to Jeremiah, We will not listen to the message you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord. We will certainly do everything we said we would. We will burn incense to the Queen of Heaven, 
and will pour our drink offerings to her just as we and our fathers, our kings and our officials did in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. At that time we had plenty of food and were well off and suffered no harm. But ever since we stopped burning incense to the Queen of Heaven and pouring our drink offerings to her, we have had nothing and have been blessed, uh, have been perishing by sword and famine. And the women added, When we burned incense to the Queen of Heaven and poured our drink offerings to her, did not our husbands know that we are making cakes like her image and pouring our drink offerings to her? Then verse 26. I'll read the last part of verse 25 to Go ahead then, do what you promised, keep your vows. That's now Jeremiah speaking. But hear the word of the Lord, all Jews living in Egypt. I swear by my great name, says the Lord, that no one from Judah ever, that no one from Judah living anywhere in Egypt will ever again invoke my name to swear as surely as the Sovereign Lord lives. For I'm watching over them for harm, not for good. The Jews in Egypt will perish by sword and famine until they are destroyed. Those who escape the sword and return to the land of Judah will, uh, from Egypt will be very few. Then the whole remnant of Judah who came to live in Egypt will know whose word stand, mine or theirs. This will be a sign to you that I will punish you in this place, declares the Lord, so that you will know that my threats of harm against you will surely stand. This is what the Lord says. I'm going to hand Pharaoh Hophra, king of Egypt, over to his enemies who seek his life, <clears throat> just as I handed Zedekiah, king of Judah, over to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the enemy who was seeking his life. May the Lord help us to understand this portion of his word, and to his name be glory and honor. The question today, as we consider the word of the Lord, is why... Worship God. Why worship God? If we go through this chapter, or these chapters that we've read in, in Jeremiah, we find that these people are put before a choice. Um, once again, we see the situation where the people went to Jeremiah and said to them, you inquire the Lord for us, and what the Lord says, that's what we will do. And Jeremiah got from the Lord the answer and say, Remain in Judah, don't go anywhere. And the people then looked up to Jeremiah and they said, Jeremiah, you are lying to us. We will go to Egypt in any case. And in this whole process, the question about why do we need to worship God in any case? It seems like the people would say, What's in it for us? Why should we worship God? We have been a strong nation. 
We have done all the things that we could do in the past. We could resist our enemies to some extent. However, they start the whole kingdom of Judah fell apart towards the end before they were conquered and then taken into captivity in Babylon. And now the people ask themselves this question, why then did we worship God? We have lost everything we have. What's the point in worshiping God? We've been going to the temple on a regular basis. We've done these things and now we've lost our land. We've lost our, our loved ones. Some of them taken into captivity. And not all of them. We read in the Bible that only the poor and the destitute were left there. The best, call it what we may call today, brain rain. All of them were taken into, into Babylonia. And now only a handful of them were left. And those who were left there, they fought against one another. And the one who was appointed to be their leader got assassinated. And now people are saying, what is happening here? Is the Lord still our God? Is it, is it still worth the while to worship God? What's the point? We've lost it all. We've tried it. We've worked it out. And still we are disappointed because nothing works out. If we worship the Lord and if we don't worship the Lord, what's the difference? We are in trouble. And sometimes we find ourselves in the same situation, don't we? We ask, what's the point? Why should we continue? Well, there's basically, if we look at our life and the practical side of our life, probably not real difference between what we have to put up with and the non-believers. You see, the writer of Psalm 73 had the same problem. He says, I look at those, the godless people, and it seems they are happy. It seems they have enough. It seems that they have, <clears throat> they have everything in abundance. And I ask myself, why... Why go through all this trouble? Why worship God? What's in it for me? What's the difference between my lifestyle and what I can get out of it and the lifestyle of the unbeliever and what he gets out of life? That is a real question. I don't know if you ever suffered with, uh, 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 with this question in your mind. You, you struggled with it and you say, what's the point? Why do I come to church on a Sunday and others go and they play bowls or tennis or whatever the case may be? And when the drought comes, it hits me and them. And when sickness comes, it hits me and them. Although they looked for an answer at the right place by coming to the Lord and say, Lord, what you tell us we'll do. And Jeremiah then, and he inquired the Lord for them and he told them exactly what the Lord says. And then they said, you're lying. Isn't that so typical of us? 
Isn't so typical of, of the way in which we deal with the way in which the Lord deals with us? We ask for a question. When we do get a question, we go our own way in any case. Therefore, it begs the question, do we really, or did these people really worship God? And as we will see further down the track, no, they did not really worship God. They thought they did, but they did not really worship God. When the prophet then comes back to them with an answer, he comes back to them with an answer that really reflects God's faithfulness to them. But he demanded faithfulness from them too. That's why he said, he replied from the Lord, and then the Lord said to them, to him, that he is a faithful God. They might say, you will not stay in this land, the Lord says. But hear the word of the Lord. If you are determined to go to Egypt and settle there, then the sword you fear will overtake you. On the other hand, this is what the Almighty Lord says. As my anger and wrath have been poured out on those who lived in Jerusalem, so my wrath will be poured out on you when you go to Egypt. Do not go to Egypt. Be sure of this. I warn you today. You make a fatal mistake. Pray to the Lord for us. And now I come and I tell you this. The Lord says, He will watch over you. Although it looks like as if the Babylonian army and the Egyptian army and all these things have turned against you, trust me, the Lord says. Worship me, follow me, obey me, and I will watch over you. In, irrespective of what it might look like, I will watch over you. That is what the Lord said to his people. And how gracious is the Lord. If we read in chapter 42 verse 9. He said to them. This is what the Lord the God of Israel. To whom you sent me to present your petition says. If you stay in this land. I will build you up. And not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you. For I am grieved over the disaster I have inflicted on you. Declares the Lord. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you now fear. Do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord, for I am with you. And I will save you. And I will deliver you from his hands. That is the challenge that the prophet then brings to them from the Lord. When you look at your circumstances and you ask, why should I continue worshipping the Lord? Why should I still put my faith in Him irrespective of what I see then around Him? He says, just don't give up. Trust the Lord. Because He will look after you. You look at your circumstances. Don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at the people around you. Look at God. He is far bigger than your circumstances. And therefore trust Him. Because he is the God of his covenant who is faithful into all generations. While the people rejected it, they looked at it from a human point of view. And they said to Jeremiah, you're lying. You're lying. Do you think we're going to take that as the word of God? 
We packing, we going. And they mastered the people and they included Jeremiah into this. And they marched down to Egypt. And when they got to Egypt, another bomb exploded. In that sense, that then they came out with the real truth. We have been worshipping the king or the queen of heaven all the time, even in Jerusalem. That's what they said. And our husbands knew about it. The women said, we've baked cakes for her, looking like her. The queen of heaven was uh, some sort of deity in the Babylonian uh, 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 pantheon. And they worshipped her. And Jeremiah actually wanted to say, well, you know what? It's because you worshipped her that you are actually in this situation. They looked at it from another point of view and they said, well, when we worshipped her, it all went well with us. And you want to tell us that if we turn things around, that it's going to work with us? It is almost as the prophet then says, well, you ask what you get from worshipping God, what's in it for you. Can I just ask you, what, what's in it from worshipping gods, not God? What do you really get when you worship gods? You've seen the disaster that happened in Jerusalem, how the Lord took away all these people because of their unfaithfulness, because they started worshipping gods and not God. That's what happened. You should see it from that perspective. And they said, now our perspective is this. We worshipped some secret God or some God secretly, and we, we thought it went all well. That is to then confuse God's grace. And his mercy with the so-called blessing of worshipping other gods. And right through this, to these three chapters that we have read, you'll find the word every now and then the expression comes back. God is the almighty God. God is the almighty God. Listen to the almighty God. He is not like any other God He's not like the queen of heaven whom you think you can worship and get something out of it. The Lord is in control. He is the one who, who arranged all these things. He put Nebuchadnezzar in place. He put the king of Egypt in place. He put the, king, the, the one from Ammon in place who came and assassinated the other one. God is in control. He puts that together. Can you say that of any other God? God is almighty. Listen to God, he says. You've got a chance. It's as it's, if they, were, they went down to Egypt, and when they got into Egypt, that's where the Lord once again to said to Jeremiah, try to get some sense into these people. But they were hard of heart, and then they said, we'll do as we've promised. Now that word there is a very strong one. Um, when it says there, we will do what we have promised. We burnt incense to the Queen of Heaven and poured out our drink offerings to her. And then uh, towards the end, uh, verse 25, this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel, you and your wives have shown by your actions, you have promised, promised, 
when you said you will certainly carry out the vows we might burn incense and pour out our drink offerings to the queen of heaven what does that mean is it just sort of an accidental oh well i think we'll we'll worship this this queen for a while see how it goes the promise and the vows there means that they've actively committed themselves to the worship of this queen and now the lord says now that you've done that i'll watch over you although you say you're lying jeremiah although you say we will not listen it does not take away the fact that god is still god almighty see i've come i've come across a lot of people that i am privileged to talk to um, and they, they the argument's more or less like this you christians you believe in the existence of god that's okay for you i don't believe in god and therefore there is no god you believe in god and therefore there is a god i don't believe in god and therefore there is no god so i can go my own way what's the foolishness in the argument the foolishness of the argument is god is only there when you believe he's there when you believe he's not there he is not there and you don't need to fear anything that's exactly what these people did they got to a point from worshiping god to actively worship other gods and now they think that the one and only almighty god therefore does not exist anymore how foolish can one be if god is the god who created the heavens and the earth and you don't believe in that does it mean that god does not exist anymore and the lord says yeah, well go ahead then you promised to do so go ahead then but keep this in mind i am watching over which means that the lord says you think i'm not watching you think if you think you can believe in another god that i am not there anymore i'm watching over you but now the covenant god is watching over his people according to his covenant what's that covenant and the covenant says you turn your back on me and i'll turn my back on you because i'm faithful the lord says go ahead the lord is watching over you but he's going to destroy you and then you will know who is god god capital g god small g because god if i may say this and if you would excuse me for this expression god the almighty god is not going to go away he's there and then the disaster will really strike when god who is god will take the one that you think the king that you've come for protection and egypt and he will take this god this king 
and it will put him in the hands of the Babylonian king, the one you thought could destroy you. Why? God is sovereign. He can do that. So what are you escaping? What are you achieving? You're achieving absolutely nothing. Because the point is you cannot escape God. Therefore, the only way out is, as someone said, the only way away from God is to run towards Him. We should never ask ourselves the question, what do I get out of it? As if, if it works, let's do it. That's what these people thought. Well, we're making cakes for the Queen of Heaven. It seems like it's working. Let's do it. It's not going to work that way. It is not if it works, do it. And if it doesn't work, don't do it. Faith actually says, trust God against all odds. Trust Him. Because this idea of if it works, do it, that's pragmatism. And pragmatism within the church and within the people of the Lord is nothing other but idolatry. And therefore it's a sin. We have to face the possibility sometimes by following the Lord Jesus Christ that we will face enemy. We will face the impossible. The insurmountable. But the Lord says, trust me for it. It seems to me if we ask this question, why worship God? What's in it for me? The answer is, it's a choice between life and death. That's, that's what it is. It's either worship God, the living God, be obedient to Him, trusting Him, following Him, committing to Him, Or perhaps then following another thing that we may call God. And if we're not game enough to call it God, we'll call it something else. But that's not going to make God less God. We need to understand that. The world understands that. And that's what you and I need to tell the world. Even if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Even if you don't believe that he died for your sins on the cross. Even if you consider that rubbish something that you should not be thinking about. It does not take away that he did die for you. It does not take away that sometime... When we die, we are going to be responsible and accountable to the God that we now perhaps think does not exist. 
May the Lord help us to, to understand that. Why do we worship God? If we ask this question, why do we worship God? The answer is not, what do I get out of it? The answer is, why do I worship God? The answer is, to glorify Him. You see, that changes the whole thing. To glorify Him. And when I glorify Him, my life becomes a life worthwhile living. Irrespective of my circumstances. May the Lord help us to understand this. To His glory. Amen. Our Father, we pray now that you will forgive us our stubbornness and waywardness even in times when we think that we honestly seek your will and then when it comes we just don't want to accept it. Jesus died to bring to you those whom you have called from all eternity and help us Lord to hear that call when it comes to us. And that we will commit ourselves to you fully and not think that we should ask, what is it that I can get out of it? It is a matter of worship. It's a matter of glorification. It's a matter of knowing you and trusting you, even if it looks like nothing is going to work out. Give us that faith, we pray. Amen.